Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Muhammad, I am Matt, and we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing fantastic. Um, first and foremost, we would like to thank Low Tide Cava Bar for the cava we are going to be drinking through today's episode. Uh, so, as always, we would like to start out with a bula. Let's do this. All right. Shells up. Bula. Bula. And so, I was going to say, I'm not sure what we sound like uh, <laughs> because we still need to get earphones so we can listen to ourselves while we do this. But uh, I hope that for everybody out there listening to us, we do sound a lot better. And we would like to thank uh, my dear friend Greg Bowen for helping me out, helping us out, uh, getting this all set up so we uh, don't sound so unprofessional, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Yeah, I hope uh, you guys can notice the much better quality um, on, the, on today's episode. Uh, really the biggest concern I've heard... Uh, throughout the last two months of us doing this is sound quality and our friend Greg ended up um, you know giving us some tips telling us um, you know there, there were some good products on sale and uh, he came here and personally helped us set us up um, we're still going to be probably using the little jazzy intro we usually do uh, and he's going to put together some cool punk jazz or no I'm sorry mm-hmm. Punk metal. Punk metal stuff Yeah, like for a us. punky yeah. metal thing for you guys. So it's going to be pretty which, cool. Which is probably closer to what Muhammad and I actually are as opposed to the jazzy the jazzy feel. We're probably a little bit more punk metal until you actually get to know me. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, how was your week? Uh, my week uh, my, my week went pretty great. Uh, I, I was supposed to meet you guys on uh, uh, last night on Friday, but... I was, I, I was too tired, man. Um, spent the whole day um, just transporting patients back and forth from my department. So, you know, I went to sleep real early. <laughs> what about you? Oh, man. Uh, it, my week's been – it's been stressful. I've been having – it's been a tough one. But uh, I think that most of that has passed, and I think that uh, we're moving on to much easier, much easier times ahead. Or at least, God, I hope so. No, uh, no, I agree with you, man. Um, so, did you um, did you hear about those? Uh, there were some people marching in D.C. blocking roads and stuff uh, this weekend. No. Yeah, it was the uh, March for Life. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, I kind of blindsided you there, but <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I was I... like, man, these people are blocking roads again. No. <laughs> It's not the same when it's our side, you know. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, I yeah. Were they really blocking the roads? No. I okay. mean, it was probably just like any other march that happens where they, you know, put in for it, and they, they, you know, the city puts a little zone for them to walk through. Gotcha. Okay. As long as they weren't like hindering people's ability to move about freely. No, I, I, I don't think. I mean. Of course, they did such just as any other march. Right. Um, but, you know, me posting about that sparked some pretty interesting conversations on my wall about the issue of, obviously, abortion and pro, being pro-life again. Right. And, I mean, that's been such a topic as of late. And um, so many people have asked me about my opinions on that not-so-touchy topic that is abortion. And I mean, most of that started because of, uh, because of our new president. We are one week. It has been one week that Trump has been president. Yeah. Just about one week of winning. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a joke. (laughs) Um, yes, because, because of Trump, uh, abortion has become such a hot button issue again. Now I, I don't remember, but did we talk about the um, the women's march last weekend? We um, did definitely talk about the women's march last okay, weekend. Okay, okay, so we, we we talked about Madonna. Oh yeah, we did. Okay, yeah, we talked I, about. I Ma- didn't remember. Yeah, we talked about real. Madonna, and we also uh, we said that we didn't really know what they were marching for. That is true. Yeah, and uh, what I've been able to figure out is that they are marching for women's rights, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of confused on because I think women have rights. Um, but they, but I did talk to a couple of people this week who stated that they were afraid that with Trump as president, 
they were going to be losing some of their rights, whether it be their reproductive rights or their health rights or whatever. Reproductive rights so they can't have babies? So they can't, right. The reproductive rights so they can make the choice on whether or not to have babies. Yeah, which, like I said, it's always such a touchy subject. So, like, um, uh, I'm sure I haven't mentioned this on the show before, uh, but... Uh, I've personally been pro-life for almost, not fully quite, almost two years now. Um, And it all kind of started when I started following some pro-life activists on my my Facebook page. I met them through the Leadership Institute when I was still a student going around doing training. Um, I met Hannah Cohen. I met Anya Sheeb, which is... One of my best friends, she's from uh, Mississippi. She went to Mississippi State with one of my uh, university with one of my best friends. Um, my friend Emily Faulkner. That I met her later, but um, through following them, I know an Emily Faulkner. Where's she from? She's from Colorado, but she might be the one I always tell you about. Uh, no, okay, I know a different Emily Faulkner from Nashville. Oh no, no, she's not from Nashville. That's no Emily is a Midwestern girl. Uh, I, we decided we're going to tell her dad that I'm actually Coptic, so he can't get mad that, you know, I'm a Muslim or anything. That's fair, yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't want my daughter marrying a Muslim either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, saw a, um, I saw a video of, um, I forget the woman's name, I always do, but there's a couple of them. Um, this woman died, died, no, she's alive, obviously. Um, I needed my, I think I should have been drinking that's coffee. A big, that's a big difference. Yeah, that's a lives. huge, huge difference. Right. Um, Gianna something. Okay. So since we're, I'm just talking up the cuff here, I'm sorry, but her name is Gianna something. And, um, I believe that's like a Polish last name. I'm not something like that. Right yeah. <laughs> uh, she testified in front of Congress about defunding, uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, this woman had basically, her mother was aborting her at seven months, uh, with, um, something called a saline injection abortion, uh, where they basically flood the uterus with, you know, normal saline, which is sodium chloride water. Um, and it burns, basically burns the baby to death and the baby comes out dead. Um, but when I watched this woman, standing there telling her story and she's alive, uh, I started questioning, you know, myself on it. I had been pro-choice up to that point. But then I I started saying, well, this woman should not be standing up here uh, talking to us and um, telling us her story. I don't know what what she does in her life aside from the testifying stuff. Uh, She might be a – obviously, she might also be a pro-life activist on her own. Um, But, you know, that coupled with – I accidentally watched, I decided to just go ahead and watch a video about abortion. That, and, you know, me personally, I just don't think I can make, I can't be pro-choice anymore. I mean, technically, technically I am, okay? But I am pro-life because, I, I say I am because... How, how do you mean technically you're pro-choice? I mean, I've heard it from some pro-life activists that uh, I am pro-life because I don't want to ban abortion. Um, I don't want to ban abortion because I think there's a lot of things we need to fix to help lessen the impact of abortion, uh, to make life easier on a lot of these women when it comes to, you know, the economic perspective uh, or when it comes to the cost of families adopting children. Uh, It's really expensive. It it goes up to the thousands. You have to hire lawyers. Uh, So there's a lot of things we can do to lessen the number of kids waiting to be adopted, which is one of the things that pro-choicers always mention is the amount of uh, uh, foster children there are. Um, but um, but no, I consider myself pro-life. I, I, I don't want to ban it because I, I, I simply don't want for there to be, you know, coat hanger, throw yourself downstairs, alleyway type abortions as much as I hate it. Um, but I do think it's murder. I mean, sorry about my the, my language here, but it I do consider it murder from, from, from now on because... I was born three months premature in 1989, and about 60% of children uh, did not survive being born that early. I was two pounds. Uh, I was born. You're a lot more than that now. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm tall and kind of fatty now. Um, and uh, whatchamacallit, I was born at St. Anthony's Hospital where I worked. They flighted it to all children's when um, my lungs weren't fully developed. But Gianna was a whole month older than me when she was being aborted. You know, she was being aborted at seven months. Um, that's why I consider myself pro-life, and that's why I can't ever justify abortion in any manner. Uh, I don't know your views on it, to be honest. Yeah, I I don't typically talk about it um, because it is such a hot button issue. Um, I was I was raised in a religious family, and I was raised to believe that life begins at conception. Uh, so I have always been pro life, but I also understand that not everybody was raised to believe that life begins at conception. Maybe life begins once a heartbeat's there, or maybe life begins. Once, uh, I don't think, you know, ears are formed or, you know, something along those lines. And maybe that is where life begins for them. I think there is at some point where it should definitely not of course, be legal. And I can understand that perspective. Right. Even when, I'll, I'll give them credit, even some pro-choicers will go as far as what you're saying is maybe after a certain time we shouldn't. Um, but, you know, I've heard the argument of um, viability outside the womb, and I question, I question that notion because if you're talking about, you know, the, the fetus and then the baby being an invader, you know, and a parasite um, to a woman's body, then the baby is really still a parasite once it exits the body. Um, it still can't. It almost has the same IQ before exiting through the canal till afterwards uh, for a few years. They rely on a mother's love and and the family to raise the ch- the baby and help it grow. So, that, do we extend? Do they extend it that far out? Do they consider you know babies um, up to a certain age not viable still or? Yeah, that's I don't know. That's my opinion, I, and I'm not the best pro-life advocate. I really no, don't I'm, know. I'm not yeah. really. I'm not the best pro-life advocate. And I'm not the best pro-choice advocate. Like, I yeah. try to stay out of that argument because yeah. a lot of it does come down to different belief systems, and you're not challenging facts. You're challenging beliefs, and when you're challenging somebody's beliefs, that means you're challenging them. Yeah, and that's why so many people get so worked up about it. But a lot of that, a lot of that discussion this week came about because of the executive order that Trump put into place, reinstating the Mexico City policy. Okay, uh, which is a ban on federal funds to international groups that perform abortions or lobby to legalize or promote abortions, and of course, this caused this huge firestorm of people saying Trump wants to get rid of abortions. Trump wants to blow, you know, whatever. Trump hates abortions. Trump hates women. Um, but what they aren't looking at is this was this was put into place by Jimmy Carter back in I'm going to say 76, 77 is what I'm going to say. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's when he did put it into place. Um, no, I'm sorry. 73. No, the policy was instituted by Reagan in '84. Okay. Um, well, the first the first time Jimmy Carter started it back in seventy seventy seven. Really? Yeah, Jimmy Carter started it in seventy seven. Uh, Reagan did an executive order called the Me- Mexico City policy back in '84 to stop funding international abortions. George H. W. continued with the policy; didn't change it. Bill Clinton revert, did an executive order to reverse it. George W. did an executive order to reinstate. To reinstate. Obama did an executive order to take it away. So I, this has just been going back and forth yeah. for 40 years now. Yeah. I mean, every time a president comes in, he's going to reverse some executive orders. Of that the, the previous. Yeah. So that that is where this entire... Uh, discussion. So it's not really changing anything. Is no, what we're it's, saying here. it's the exact same thing that's been going on for the last 40 years. It goes one way, it goes back, it mm-hmm. goes one way, it goes back. Um, personally, I don't think that the U.S. should be funding anything 
uh, <laughs> internationally, <laughs> yeah. especially abortions. Um, and you know, that includes so many other things, but to the amount of money that we're going to be saving on not funding federal abortions is money that can be used here in the United States. Yeah. So I don't believe that this is actually as big of an issue as people are making it out to be. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, the very two-way triggering post I made um, earlier this week when I was talking about how uh, um, uh, it, it triggered conservatives and specifically uh, the staunch pro-Israel supporters. Uh, I was going to say it's the Israel one that yeah, you put yeah. on there. When I said, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't uh, fund anybody outside our country uh, yes, to I include agree. Israel, which... Um, Israel has one of the most um, liberal, uh, liberal as in free, or I'm sorry, liberal as in like ease, you know, um, uh, restrictions on abortions. And um, they are one of the biggest uh, providers of a state-sponsored abortion services. Um, And, you know, it just got everybody mad. So now the the conservatives are like, well, we need to fund them. And then, you know, the... Liberals now are like, well, we have to fund uh, Israel that we don't like because abortion. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sad watching people trip over themselves right. trying to defend some something they're not completely for because the issue of abortion came into the picture. Right. You get the people who are pro-Israel and want us to fund Israel, but are against abortion. So they're like, so they don't want us to. So they don't want us to give Israel money for their abortion programs, but then you have the people who are pro-choice, who are anti-Israel, who don't want us giving money to Israel. It's it was it was a fun discussion to watch unfold on your timeline. Yeah, it's 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 really sad, man, and that's where our you know libertarian perspective comes in, and that's how you that's how you, I think that's one way to show how hypocrite uh, how they're hypocrites you know the the people on the traditional left right you know dichotomy the republican democrat dichotomy they both just want to use other people's tax money for their own benefit or their friend's benefit or whatever right absolutely but trump actually signed a bunch of executive orders yeah in his first week yeah he signed about uh he signed 12 of them um Compared, which which I had seen compared to Obama, he Obama signed five and George W. signed two in their first week. Um, so he signed a lot. Right, that's that is pretty excessive for his first week. Um, some of the other ones that included the uh, two orders reviving the Keystone XL pipeline and the Dakota Access pipeline, which. That has caused, especially in our circle uh, here in the Kava community, has caused a lot of backlash because many people in this community are part of the no DAPL movement. Yeah, believe it or not, I've seen that even amongst libertarians heavily. Um, I personally, I I still don't know everything about the pipeline, but I'm... I, I'm I'm sort of I'm skeptical. I'm always skeptical of anything I see, even if it's As something. You yeah, even if it's something that would corroborate or conform to something I already believe in. Um, but it, I I don't know everything about the Dakota Access Pipeline. I've I've heard great arguments for not building it. You know, I've, you know the. It could it could contaminate water. So on. it's um, invading onto. Native American lands, but I've heard um, the arguments of the pipelines are safer than moving them by train. Um, I've heard the argument that we're, they're not actually on Native American. I, I don't honestly. I'm, again, I'm not the best person to speak about the Keystone Pipeline, but I am pro I, using fossil fuels until, oh, yeah. we're, until we're ready to move on to a greener source. And I have a friend who worked in the oil industry in Texas for a while before he moved here to Florida. And what he explained to me was that for them to get to the point where they are building the pipeline in the area that they were building it that was being protested, they wouldn't have gotten that far without agreement from everybody who owns the property already. 
So, or or implied agreement, right? Because some uh, now that you're saying that, I remember reading something about the um, the United States Army Corps of Engineers and people responsible for the pipeline uh, kept contacting the tribes and like nobody was responding, right? They weren't showing up to the meetings, I believe. They weren't showing up to the meetings uh, in order to fight it, from what I understand, or that somebody had agreed, and then they, while they were doing the blueprints and the planning, they weren't showing up to the planning meetings. Um, and that is where uh, the problem seemed to lie, is they said that they weren't given access to these meetings, but from what I understand is they were asked to come, they were asked to show up and they just decided not to, but everybody had sort of signed on the dotted line already agreeing to the pipeline being put there. And it wasn't until some money issue came involved that suddenly people had an issue with it and it became the blown up issue that it has now become. So it comes down to a personal responsibility issue of people not following through with what they're supposed to. Exactly. Okay. Um, what else did he sign? He also signed uh, the, well, his border wall. Okay. Executive order where he's going to be uh, pushing immigration enforcement, uh, including the border wall, uh, stripping federal grant money to sanctuary cities. Uh, hiring 5,000 more border patrol agents. Okay, so the government's getting bigger. Which I find that one interesting since he did sign one doing a freeze of all federal employees minus the military. Now, is border patrol considered military? No. I didn't... No, no, they don't fall under us. I didn't... Right, I didn't think that they fell under the military. The Coast Guard falls under the military during time of war, but that's the only organization I know of that does... Right. I think, uh, but, yeah, but I knew he did a hiring freeze on all federal employees except for the military. Well, that's good. Right. No, and I was hundred percent on that one, but then he's talking about building a border wall. How are you going to build a border wall without more federal employees? Unless you're going to hire private contractors to do that, who are just going to gouge the government anyway. Yeah. Um, but he hired, he's hiring 5,000 more Border Patrol agents, ending the catch and release policies for illegal immigrants, and reinstating local and state immigration enforcement po- partnerships. Yeah, that's something that um, Arizona was worried about, from what I remember, uh, pr- pretty heavily, that the federal government was stepping in between what they're trying to do um, and what the federal government was trying to do. Uh, that was during uh, Obama era. Right. Um, which, I mean, we're going to separately, I think we're going to separately talk about the wall again when we talk about the tariffs. So let's do that at the end of the executive orders. Okay. Um, he also signed notice that the U S will begin withdrawing from the TPP, the trans Pacific partnership trade deal. And that's a good thing. I absolutely believe that's a good thing. Um, I was kind of surprised when Gary Johnson was in support of the TPP. Well, um, I remember I had spoken with a uh, Facebook friend of mine. He is a fellow at the Mises Institute, and he was talking about uh, the trade deal. Um, the the Cato Institute uh, trade scholars actually came out with a report in support of the TPP. Um, uh, it's 22 pages. Um, and from what I remember him telling me, the TPP does have some pretty good provisions in it, but overall, it's going to be a net loss on on freedom of both um, uh, state um, uh, state as in government, government supremacy, uh, and the people, and it gave a little bit too much power to corporations in some instances. Um, so maybe Gary Johnson. May and his team may have gotten it from the Cato Institute, uh, which the Cato Institute and the Mises Institute uh, could be on the same page sometimes, but they're not always on the same page. Right. Um, but he all he himself, my my friend, um, 
he was he 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 also disagreed with the TPP. Um, but it seems like really everybody across every aisle disagreed with the TPP. Many did. I remember uh, Paul Ryan uh, sent out a tweet while the TPP was happening, and he said, "In order for you to know what's in the TPP, you're gonna we're gonna have to pass it." Oh God! And I blasted him on Twitter for that. Did he respond? No, yeah, of course not. They never respond. To they us. never respond. Um, I'm actually glad that we're getting out of the TPP. The regulations that are in the TPP that are going to hurt us here for internet freedoms are enough to make us not want to be part of the TPP in my mind. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I'm I'm, I'm glad it went down. Right. Absolutely. I've heard more bad than good. So, um, He also signed an order that bans refugees and residents from seven Muslim countries to come here. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was one of the recent things that actually, as of yesterday, I remember. So there's protests at some of the, um, jumping ahead of, I'm jumping the gun here. Um, when that was signed, uh, some airports and government officials are now uh, detaining uh, a lot of refugees and green card holders uh, that are flying back in. Um, and now there's like protests at some of these even from, uh, I remember I saw the one that was, it was about Jews for Muslims or something. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the big one. And, uh, I don't remember, uh, the countries, I don't know if you do, um, that uh, were banned. Iraq, Iran, Syria, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, yeah, I don't remember the seventh one off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. I do know that we had bombed five of the of seven, seven, five out of the seven countries yeah. over and, uh, the last uh, eight years. Yeah, and Iran's also on that list. Um, who, kind of, who Iran has recently banned all U.S. citizens yeah. from coming to Iran in that retaliation. Yeah, That happened today. So it's one of those uh, tit-for-tat things, and that's going to come up again in this episode um, when we – Talk about tariffs uh, and building uh, building the Trump wall on the Mexican border, um, but yeah, that's that's one of those tit for tat things, you know. Like, hey, if if America's sovereign enough, that's what I was looking for earlier, uh, state um, sovereignty. Uh, if America's sovereign enough to ban people from entering its nation from a particular country, then certain countries would probably retaliate in the same manner as sort of a fuck you sort of thing. Right. Did we agree on using the F word on the show? Um, well, I, <laughs> we never really talked about it. So okay, we're going I've, with it. And I've used it before. Okay. Immedi- immediately apologizing to my mother after I said it. Yeah, I apologize, Matt's mother and anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am certain that Sally appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so Trump signed you know twelve executive orders in his first week, which is just really impressive. But let's talk about the wall. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Also, one of them because I want to mention this real quick. Um, one of them was the gag order on the EPA. Oh yeah, the gag order on the EPA. I forgot yeah. about that one. And you know, I've seen a lot of friends complain about that, and even my sister. Man, we got into a fight this morning. Um, and it's it's I love it's my sister. Best way to start your day, right? There. Yeah, I swear, man. I I I love my sister, Miriam. Um, she's not really into politics, you know. But I feel like, you know, since she's in college, she's she's around probably a lot of more left leaning friends, which is fine. But you know, she's like, oh well, well, Trump's trying to stop people from talking about global warming, and I was like, no, Miriam. Like, and it's the same thing I've been hearing. You know, my friend. Um, that owns uh, Dharma, uh, it's another kava bar, even said, like, this is unconstitutional. But here's the thing. The gag order, it's as if um, if our friend Sean's listening, Sean owns um, Low Tide Kava Bar, the gag order is really just akin to him telling his workers to not post from the Low Tide official page um, about Kav and Kratom. Don't ask me why he would do that. No, but it makes zero sense. Exactly. 
Um, but that's really what this disorder, I could, um, I would say it's like. Um, he's really just saying, hey, EPA, don't talk, don't, don't use your official uh, public social media sites or channels anymore. I don't know if I agree with it or not. I mean, uh, well, but I'm just trying to talk, say here is that. He's, is, and I don't know much about that. Uh, that it's just gag a gag order. order. Right. I don't know much about the gag order, but is he saying don't use the official social media things or is he saying don't use the official social media things to push global warming? Can we? Can the EPA still talk about uh, pollution in Frog Lake? So I um, – I hope I'm not making this up, but I did read that it is a full gag order. You know, just don't use your social media. Okay. So, I mean, they can use their own, you know, they can use their own account or another ghost account, you know, make a sock account um, to post uh, to post this kind of stuff from if they want to. But it is it is very con- it is very constitutional because the president has power over the different agencies that fall under him, which the EPA does. He's not going outside the bounds of the law when he says something like that. So, and th- this is, this has nothing to do with global, whether I agree with it, with global warming or not. I don't, but <laughs> nevertheless, um, <laughs> nevertheless, it's, that could be its own show right there. Yeah. 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 Nevertheless, it's, um, it's not unconstitutional for him to give orders to, and and this is really how the executive orders work. When when the president signs an executive order, he's given a directive to his own departments and all other agents, independent agencies that fall under the exec, the executive branch. Has nothing, you know. He he can't order Congress to do something else or whatever, or the Supreme Court to do anything else uh, out of hand. So. It, Anyways, but just the departments that fall under the executive branch. Yeah, they they really don't apply to anybody else. You send that to Congress, they're just going to throw it in the trash can. Even a Republican would. Right. Absolutely. Um, but back back to the wall. Okay. Uh, just to keep everything moving. Back to the wall. Trump has said since his campaign that Mexico is going to pay for this wall. Trust me, Mexico is going to pay for this wall. Yeah, and everybody laughed at him. And everybody laughed at him, and the president of Mexico said, we're not paying for the wall. And everybody who understands how this was going to work knew what Trump was going to do. He was going to put a tariff or a tax on imports coming into the country. He absolutely – everybody understood that. He knew that's what was going to happen and it is expected that he is going to put a 20% tariff import tax on all products coming from Mexico. Yeah, well they they backtracked and they said this is only a talking point, it's not policy. But again, flirting, I remember I said this last episode, right? Um or maybe maybe I did uh, how I said that Trump during on the campaign trail he talked about gold but he flirted with the with the whole we can't never default on our debt because we can just print the dollars. Flirting with bad policy is not smart, and that's not something we should ever you know no, be, absolutely be supporting. Um, but yeah, whether it's policy or not, let's talk about why that's a bad idea. Right. If you put a twenty percent tariff a tariff on all uh, items imported into the United States from Mexico. If you're a business owner from Mexico, what do you do? Well, so how it works is, um, I mean, just I mean, just really simply, because I know if I had a tequila factory in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and I was making tequila and I was shipping it up to, you know, I was uh, sending it to the U.S. and I heard twenty percent tariff on anything that I'm going to be sending to the U.S., I'm going to raise my price 20%. Um, Well, so how a tariff works is, and and I'll I'll tell you you this way, okay? Um, In Egypt, um, the the word for tariff is gemetic, uh, and it's the tax you pay on a foreign product that comes in. Okay. Um, And you... It's it's like it's stupid. It's, it's like really high uh, percentage uh, to buy a car that comes in from Germany. It's almost twice the price in Egypt. Um, 
which um, it doesn't matter because the person purchasing the product is going to be the one paying for this extra tax, which means uh, corporations, which means the person buying the product. So when you put the tariff on something, it's going to come out of whoever the distributor is, you know, that let's say it's just toys to Toys R Us or Walmart. Uh, Walmart would be the one paying this extra tariff, which they would then raise the price of that as well to make up for this like extra, you know, loss of revenue. Right. Which means we would then be paying it. Would be paying it. Right. So it's not I think, Mexico. I think that we're. I think I was saying the same thing, just okay. in a very more dumbed down. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I yeah. think it, I was just saying it in a more dumbed down way, where eventually, essentially, it's just going to be. American citizens having to pay the 20% tariff. Yes. Even though it would just be now included in the price. Yeah. And, and you know, what that does essentially is raise, obviously, it raises the price of that product up and people are going to buy less. Now, that works in a protection manner when we have, um, for decades now, we've had a protection on sugar made in the United States. Um, we have corn syrup in our soda, you know, makes people fat. Worse than worse than sugar does, you know, right. and it doesn't taste as good because um, it's not sugar. Uh, that's because sugar coming in from outside the country is a lot more expensive. Um, so what that does is instead now, because sugar is so expensive here, compared to it coming from South America and the Caribbean, they found that they're going to use corn syrup instead. That's one of the uh, things, the consequences that can happen from uh, a tariff being put on. It may, it basically makes it where, you know, um, pe- the people in the country with the tariff are going to buy whatever the cheapest product is, which is now probably what's being made either in your country or maybe if it comes in from another country, um, uh, they're going to buy from them. Uh, in this case, it's just on Mexico. Um, so products coming from other countries aren't going to be as costly. But when it comes to sugar, right, that's that's across the board. Um, they're just not going to buy sugar when it comes to sugar from other countries, which then means our own distributors would not be buying from a lot of these other countries that they're not going to be selling since it's on par or more expensive than stuff coming uh, from outside the country. You know, why, why, why have so many expensive things then? Just keep the American ones since it's probably going to be higher quality anyways, you know? Right. Um, which is really silly. Um, and I remember something um, I, I had seen is on the – uh, National Bureau of Economic Research, um, they found that nations that reduced tariffs from 1975 to the 2000s um, have vastly improved economies and GDPs versus the ones that um, did not. So basically having less tariffs on on imported products is going to be better for people, which is obvious because if you know, the millions of us that buy products are able to save more money – by buying cheap, which is always what someone's someone is looking for, they're gonna we're gonna have more money to spend on something else, which is gonna end up making our own lives better, you know, because I spend less on whatever product I am getting from whatever country versus an American one, and then I can put that money towards another product. Who cares where it comes from? But I am now putting that money towards something else, and that better's me as a person and my family. Um, it's 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 really silly and uh you know what do you think I think that a I've always been a supporter of free trade I think that NAFTA was not a good deal as Trump does like to say um I think that we gave up a lot in NAFTA but I do think that free trade is the best way for countries to run. Um, I think that it does increase economic growth within the country, within all the countries that are involved in a free trade agreement. 
Yeah, and that's that's actually very true, especially in a globalized economy, which is basically what we live in now. Yeah, you know, where we're all, you know, and if if anyone's taken a, a macroeconomics class, which is the first, basically the first economics class you're going to take, and maybe high school, definitely college, if you do opt to take one of those classes, you find out that trade and specialization is is what makes it easier for people to make more things, you know, that they can trade for other more things that now other people aren't making. So we're really good at making airplanes. So even though there are airplanes being made in countries like, you know, France, Germany, and Russia, Boeing sells most of the airplanes in the world still. We make so much of it. Right. Um, and then other people in these other countries don't have to make airplanes and waste their techs and money on something they're not going to be good at doing. Um, it's 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 really basic economics kind of it's it's kind of it's kind of sad that i have to say that um but you know tariffs were tried before um and they are i mean they do still get used um my favorite example comes from the uh great depression uh herbert hoover he signed uh, the smoot hawley tariffs um in 1930 became law um which started failing by 1931 um, then they were hoping that by less products being bought or whatever, um, unemployment would go down. But unemployment went from 8% to 16% anyways. Uh, obviously, that didn't help out. A um, couple of other cool statistics. U.S. imports went from $4.4 billion to $1.5 billion. So imports obviously went down because people aren't going to be buying these products anymore. Um, specifically imports from Europe went from 1.3 billion to uh, 340 million. And here's the kicker to Europe exports from the United States went from 2.3 billion to 784 million. So when um, FDR ran, um, he uh, in 1934, after he won, he signed the uh, reciprocal trade agreement, which allowed him basically to do bilateral tariff reduction, you know, uh, on a country-by-country basis. So, obviously, the Smoot-Hawley tariff failed, and um, um, Murray Rothbard talked about this in uh, his book uh, about the Great Depression, titled The Great Depression. Um, (laughs) Happily named title. Yeah. Um, The Smoot-Hawley tariffs did nothing for our economy during the Depression. Obviously, it's not... 100% 100% the same as where we are right now. We don't have a Great Depression going on. Um, but there's definitely uh, some correlation there with having high tariffs versus not. Um, and um, uh, whatchamacallit, it, it, it basically prolonged the Depression because now Americans that are making less money um, ha- now have <laughs> less money to spend on other stuff, you know, like food. Right. So. Food, clothing, yeah, whatever. Um, so moving on, uh, Rand Paul, your bay, my bay, your yeah, bay, your bay, man, your bay, everyone's bay. He unveiled his Obamacare replacement act bill. Um, he gave me a chubby. <laughs> he uh, he unveiled his uh. He he was one of the first. He was one of the first Republicans to say we can't just get rid of Obamacare without having a replacement. Yeah, and I I, I agreed with that. I, I mean, yes, yeah. it's something we've all been talking about since before Obamacare and during Obamacare when we're talking about why it's going to fail because it's not answering the proper things. Even Bernie Sanders uh, last week um, he actually defended capitalism. Believe it or not. Um, I don't think I shared that little video with you, um, and uh, he brought he was he brought Canada as the example because Canada has a more free market when it comes to prescriptions. Yep, prescription drugs right. versus the United States, and you know, which is one of the things people always talk about. Well, prescription drugs are cheaper in Canada. Yeah, they have they have a more free market where people can easily buy the drugs they need and. There's not. There's more competition, and prices go down. Right. So yeah, Bernie Sanders actually defended capitalism when it came to that. He said, in, in some instances, capitalism works. So I'd say it's pretty cool that he said that. You know. Right. And you have people like Martin Shkreli, who yeah. he's 
that evil little bastard. But I'm not actually sure if he's evil. Um, he bought that AIDS drug that was being sold at $18 a pill, and he jacked up the price on it, like 400%. And everybody said, this guy's evil. I can't believe how awful this is. This is what's wrong with capitalism. But the reason he was able to do that was because of government regulations on prescriptions. And Well, not, not only that, but intellectual property. Right. He'd, he's the only – he'd basically be the only one or one of the few left to sell that medication. Right. Which, you know, I'm not sure what your views on it. And um, I'm still learning about this and growing on it. But in a, a lot of – from what I've seen, a lot of libertarians are against intellectual property laws because, you know, there's no original thought. Um, everyone builds their ideas off of a previous idea that they read or saw or spoke about, you know, conversated about right. somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, intellectual property laws is what allows the government to uh, keep a monopoly on on certain products and I, and ideas. Like somebody told me something about what was it Amazon? I don't remember the company or the corporation. Someone's got like. Uh, some uh, patents on like freaking room layouts or something. I was like, what? Uh, but yeah, intellectual properties uh, are not as uh, healthy as people think they are. Right. Um, but we can do a whole episode on that. So right. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's try to stay away from yeah. that one. Um, yeah. Back, it, back to the back, uh, back to the top, yeah. right. The replacement. Uh, his plan includes uh, things such as a tax credit of up to $5,000 per individual that could be used as part of a health savings account. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty good. Which I think that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, if you guys don't know what a health savings account is, basically it's uh, uh, pre-tax money that goes into account that you can use for uh, a, uh, dental vision and a lot of other um, sort of routine type uh, medical procedures and stuff. Right. Uh, it eliminates minimum standards that health insurance companies had to meet under Obamacare, which would open the door for more affordable yet less comprehensive plans. Yeah. And that means that bronze, silver, and gold plans are going away. Yeah. And I think uh, something I saw about that is uh, easing restrictions on association health plans. Um, I don't know too much about them, but it's basically when um, the like whole groups of corporations and companies had to come together to offer these. And there was just way too many restrictions on who can do it. And it's going to ease those restrictions. So more people can offer these kind of association health plans. Right. Which we, we talked about something like this in an earlier episode where we were saying that if, you know, I live here in Gulfport, Florida. And if the uh, Gulfport city council decided that they wanted to, have a health insurance group for anybody living here in the city that people could voluntarily buy into it through the city council. And it would, it would just allow for more people access to cheaper health care. Yeah. Which I'm sure now that I'm sure there's some kind of restriction regulation wise that wouldn't allow, um, golf board to offer that sort of health health plan because i'm sure there's something there that says if you're going to offer take money from people to offer health insurance you must provide for x y and z um procedures and operations and maybe golf board health plan only wants to do basic dental vision and maybe stds or something you get where i'm going right um but yeah and what else uh, it would allow ins- – this one is huge yeah. to me. Uh, it would allow for insurance companies to sell plans across state lines, yeah. eventually flooding the market. Which means <laughs> a lot more competition. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, which means price is going to go down because now if somebody from Georgia wants to buy from like Blue Cross Blue Shield Florida, they it's called Florida Blue, I think. Right. That's um, actually who I have. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have Cigna um, and VA. But yeah, so if somebody from Georgia wants to buy Florida Blue, now they can, which now means whoever offers the in-state insurance in Georgia has to compete with Florida prices. 
not sure who's cheaper, but you get the idea. Right. Yeah. It, it would just allow for more companies to be here. So you have more options, which means companies would then essentially have to lower their prices in order to compete with each other. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder even how that became a thing where it's like you can only sell within uh, certain state yeah, within your you state know. lines. Who came up with that one? People who are trying to keep the prices up. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it was and cr- that was cronyism and protectionism. Probably the insurance companies. Oh, absolutely. For that it. was lobby. That they, was they, yeah, they insurance can, company lobbyists came up with that. Uh, how do people not see that these companies can come together and be like, "Well, hey, let's push for this type of regulation because all of us would win because all of us wouldn't have to compete with each other as much." That's really how it works. Exactly. Um. And then he is including a two-year. This, this is for all you freaking progressives and weirdo Bernie Elizabeth Warren type people that are like, "Well, the sick are going to lose their insurance." Listen to this one: a two-year window for those with pre-existing conditions to get health care, after which those with such conditions could still get coverage in group plans. Boom, boom. I mean, come on. What else? What else do you want? You right. want three years? You want all the years? Because. Now, okay, so here's my thing about the pre-existing conditions. You're telling a private company that they have that they have no choice. They have to insure these people with these conditions. Yes. And that you can't tell a company they have to serve somebody. My own personal opinion, I know a lot of people who also agree with that opinion. Yes. But there are so many people who are saying, oh, well, no, these are people, they deserve health care, health care is a right, which health care is not a right because you cannot force... It's a service. It's a service. Someone's, you know, went to school and they're offering you their time. So. Right. And the way that I've kind of looked at this is somebody with a pre-existing condition, whether it be asthma or uh, some sort of genetic disease or anything like that, that's awful for them it's not their fault for that but it's also not the insurance company's fault for that it's not and i equated this years ago when this was first coming out to is having sex a right yes (laughs) no (laughs) i mean you know it's something you kind of earn i guess i'm not really sure but if if somebody is really unattractive yes. and nobody wants to sleep with them, okay. can the government at some point, since pre-existing conditions are now mm-hmm. right at this moment, yeah. being forced upon insurance companies and you have to be accepted, could the government at some point say, that person's unattractive, they're not having sex, you have to sleep with them? No, but the feminist movement will probably uh, support that sort of thing. I right, exactly. Because I've seen it. So <laughs> can't even come back at me with that. Um, but that has is always how I looked at it. Like, if the government were to ever come up to me or to you or to you know somebody else and say, "Hey, I do that," would not have sex with you. Liar. Um, <laughs> if <laughs> you know, you would. Um, if. The government would ever come up to me and say, hey, this person hasn't had sex, uh, so you're going to have to. Mm-hmm. I would obviously say, no, nope. that's not happening ever. And they would argue and, you know, whatever. That's how I feel this is, is they're saying, I know you don't want to do this. I know that this person is a massive risk for you. Mm-hmm. I know that this person is not somebody that you would normally insure, but you're going to have to do this anyway because it's not their fault. Well, it's not the insurance company's fault either. So I don't understand why people are so adamant about this one. I do understand it does suck if you have a pre-existing condition, especially if it's one that you can't help. If it's something you were born with, that does suck. Yeah. And I, you don't believe I believe it or not, I still disagree with even Rand on this one. But hey, it's it's there for the people that were complaining, you know. And another thing you you have to look at too is a lot of people are opting to pay the slightly less expensive option of just paying the uh, stupid ass um, uh, fee that you pay every year for not being insured. Um, it depends on. The, the tax, uh, it's not a size. tax, it's a tax. Yeah, the fine, you know. Right. 
uh, paying the fine that depends on family or size of family or individual cases. Um, but here's the thing. I don't have, and let's just assume I don't have insurance, um, and I will opt to pay my $1,200 or whatever um, every year, and then I suddenly get some kind of, you know, serious uh, chronic illness. Let's say um, you become diabetic. Sure. You know, uh, now if I go to a company, an insurance company to get insurance, it's now a pre-existing insurance. Um and now I have to get treated, and now they have to accept me because it's pre-existing, and the law says they have to accept me. Thing is, like just like housing, well, I was gonna—you uh, have to buy a lot of these insurances. It's kind of sad, actually. Well, the reason you have to buy a lot of the—if you pay with cash, you don't have to. Okay, that's how that works. Right. It's okay. because you're paying with the bank, and the bank needs their money to be protected. Okay, that make okay. Then that then then that makes sense, but. I have a pre-existing condition now. Now I have to be treated from this pool of money because when you're paying money into an insurance company, you're betting you're betting against the company that you're not being sick. And when you do get sick, that they're going to take care of you. So most people are opting into, you know, paying money for an insurance company for the um, uh, satisfaction of knowing that they'll be taken care of once they're sick, if they do get sick. Um, but now there's less people. Paying, there's going to be less people paying into these companies because they don't have, they don't, they don't need it, you know. But they're paying yeah. a fine. But now that they do have a pre, now that I have a pre-existing condition of diabetes, now I need all this testing, uh, you know, monitoring, uh, glucose testers, medication. Now I'm going to start paying insurance. So now I'm paying in and getting more than what I'm paying in. And that's what's happening now. Now there's people just waiting around, which is fine. You know, it's their right to not pay because a lot of them are not anyways. Waiting around, then they get sick, then they're going to come up and, uh, and ask for insurance. I don't see how people don't see how that's going to cost the insurance companies money. And this pool of money goes to uh, paying for other people's care and for, you know, employees, you know, stockholders, so on and so forth. Um, so that's why I don't agree with it, but there's a two year window there for anybody that, you know, but, but I like, I like the plan. I, I do. do like I it. do like the plan. I think that it's a, it's a compromise plan, uh, including the pre-existing conditions, but everything else on it, I'm a hundred percent on board with. Okay. Everything else I'm a hundred percent on board yeah. with and the pre-existing conditions p- portion of it is kind of the compromise of, look, we're going to we're going to filter this in or we're going to filter this out, but you still have your ways of getting it for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, that is pretty much all the time that we have for today. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do we have? Two minutes? We got, yeah, we got two minutes. Let me shoot through this one. Cause I have to. Okay. All right. Um, so, a couple months ago at the uh, Young Republicans meeting when I was there, um, they had been talking about something called the Cross Bay Ferry. Um, and I wasn't happy about it. You know, I even talked to my friend Alexis Flowers on this. Um, you know, they, so St. Pete, Tampa, Clearwater Hill, uh, not uh, St. Pete, Tampa, Pinellas, Hillsborough came together. And they're trying to get a ferry to go from downtown St. Pete to Tampa. And they're like, oh, this is going to be great, you know. Uh, they run about once on the weekdays and twice on the weekends, including Friday. Uh, they put aside $1.4 uh, to pay for this, and it started in November. It goes all the way till April. Um, and as soon as I heard about that, I was like, this, is, this makes no sense to me. So basically, they're subsidizing um, sort of like luxury time for people to go out on the water and travel between one city to the next, you know, and I, I, I looked at my friend Alexis and, um, I don't remember who it was at the meeting. And I was like, guys, if this was going to, if, if this was going to make money, just like Uber does, which is now a cheaper form of transportation compared to taxis, um, somebody would be doing that already, unless there's any sort of regulation, which we should get rid of that. If it's there that stops people from running a ferry, you know, maybe you just need a general business license of some kind and, well, I don't know, register their boat. They'd be running the, the boat from downtown uh, St. Pete to Tampa. 
Now we're just 1.4 million, you know, in the sinkhole supporting this program that's not going to make any money. And I remember we had I had ran the numbers on it. They would need to have uh, 280,000 uh, passengers at the adult rate currently, which is $10. It's going to drop to $5 in February to break even on the 1.4 million. And that's just not going to happen. That's impossible. Um, we ran the numbers earlier before the show, and up from the November to December um, uh, revenue, they've made 58,000. Roughly 10,000 tickets have been sold. Yeah, and that's 58,000. They need 1.4 million to break even. You know, and I've heard stuff like, oh, well, the. It's not going to reduce traffic congestion. The boat carries about 150 heads uh, per trip. and 100, 149 maximum. Yeah, yeah, 149. And, dude, we live in Florida. Florida, everybody has most, okay, most people have their own cars. And when you go from St. Pete to Tampa, usually you want your own car because you're going to be stuck there in Tampa. Um, and... And they're like, they said it's probably not going to continue. I hope not if they can't find another source of revenue. And the cool thing is you've had some people like Frontier Communications that are actually sponsoring every third Sunday of the month uh, for trips. That's good. That's two trips a day. Um, But then the issue then comes down to, well, once, let's say me and you go down to, um, to Tampa, um, I don't know why we would ever do that, but okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, Uber uh, ride-sharing services uh, are a huge issue um, because they're basically banned over there. Now they still run, but it's banned. So these people, so it's there's these people pro- are putting their freedoms at risk. Yeah, and just I'm sure to give us a ride. Yeah, I'm sure there's less people out there um, uh, doing riding, uh, doing an Uber service because of that. But already it's more expensive to take the fare the, the, the ferry there um and back versus just driving our own cars. Um and then you know they tried saying well this is a pilot program to figure out the bumps and all that because they found out that the um the ferry wasn't ready because Tampa couldn't accommodate dock spacing um for them to be at the football games. Um, the championship game, the and football playoff game, the college football playoff game, yeah, as well as for Gasparilla, Gasparilla that's actually going on today. right now. Yeah, that's happening today. It's it's like the third uh, grossing um, uh, parade in um, in the country, um, which is pretty cool. I just yeah, found out. Cool. I didn't, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so if you know, if I was running the ferry, I would buy my boat. And I would ahead of time figure out chartering, you know, dockside um, specific times to use it, so on and so. Because I don't want to ruin my goddamn business. If I if I told people I'm doing something, I'm doing it, or else my my name brand goes down. Right. These people are just stupid, and I still have not seen a single good reason for us to keep going on with this thing. And she told me about it, and I just started laughing. She's like, oh, I remember when you said that. I was like, well, yeah, because I, I, I wasn't wrong, and I can be honest when I, when I at least say that one. Um, but I want to end it here. You guys go ahead and look up some of this stuff on your own. Right. And um, you might probably hear sirens. Um, ignore them. Actually, you may not. I'm not even sure with these new mics that we got. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah, once we put it up. We're going to find out. Yeah. Uh, sorry for me going uh, about four minutes over, but I'm done now. But we would like to thank everybody. Um, I would say we would do another bula here at the end of the show, but Muhammad's already drank all of his coffee. I have him. Oh, you got crap? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Uh, thank you to all of you out there. Shells up. Bula. Bula. Thank you to all of those out there listening. Uh, thank you to all of those out there who saw our live webcast and shared it. Yeah, thank um, you very much. If you have not seen that, you can find that on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. We're also on Instagram at muddied waters of freedom. Um, I think that's kind of it for the social media at this time. Uh, still working on getting the website all set up, but we will have that for you soon. As soon as we can. As soon as we can. Um, if you 
like our show, please like, share, tell your friends, do whatever you can. Yeah, if you like us, try to get us out there. We, right. we, would, we would like for more people to listen to us and give us some more feedback. Right, and if you don't like our show, comment and tell us why you think we're idiots. Yeah, hopefully um, with this better sound quality, you're en- you're really enjoying this show. Because I am. Uh, when we tested it out, it-, it sounded really, really good. He said he actually liked his voice. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all very much. I do appreciate it. We both appreciate it. And until next week. Yep, uh, we'll see you next week, guys. And uh, remember where we're going. We don't need roads.